0: that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to that you May Grow thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And this episode I'd like to begin by just acknowledging the fact that we are now in the midst of a midterm election. And in just two additional years we will be in the midst of a presidential election. And politics are important, no doubt about that. But I really want to ask this question. Does it really matter who the emperor is? Again, let me state that another way. Does it really matter who the president is or who the king is or who the superintendent is? Does it really matter? Government, my friends, is of God. Now by that, I do not mean a particular form of government, but rather government in general. In Romans chapter 13, verses one through seven, Paul wrote the following to the brethren in Rome, which was the seat of government at that time, the following instructions. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Wherefore it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, Fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. During the days of the first century, as the New Testament was being written and the historical events detailed within it were actually taking place, Rome was the dominant power. Most of us, I'm sure, are aware that the term Caesar was used to refer to the Roman emperor. But beyond that, probably for many of us, our knowledge is generally pretty fuzzy. But I'd like to give you just a brief rundown of the various Caesars of New Testament times. The first man to actually wear the title of Emperor was Octavius. He is better known by most as Caesar Augustus. He reigned from 27 BC to 14 AD. It was during his reign that Jesus was born. In Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 we find this written. Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a sentence be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Carninius was governor of Syria. And all were proceeding to register for the census, every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary who was engaged to him and was with child and it came about that while they were there the days were completed for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Octavius was the adopted son of Julius Caesar When he became emperor, a feat accomplished by his defeat of Mark Anthony of Anthony and Cleopatra fame, he took upon himself his father's name as the official title of his position. Therefore, all Roman emperors were known as Caesar. The next Caesar was Tiberius. He reigned from 14 AD to 37 AD. Luke, the historian, takes great care to inform us that the majority of the events recorded in the Gospels took place during his reign. If we move over just one chapter in the Gospel of Luke to chapter 3 and look at verses 1 through 3, we find the following. Now, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip was tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilene, in the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. And he came into all the district around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. When the chief priests and scribes sent people seeking to ensnare Jesus in Luke 20 by asking, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? that Caesar was Tiberius. We all remember the Lord's answer. Jesus said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. When the Jewish leaders threatened Pilate in John 19 because he was seeking to release Jesus as an innocent man, they said, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Tiberius was that Caesar. When Pilate said, I shall crucify your king, and the chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar, Tiberius was that Caesar. Tiberius was succeeded by Caligula, who reigned for only four years, 37 AD to 41 AD. Caligula is not referred to in the New Testament, but history shows us that he was a vile, despicable man who was very probably insane. One of the things for which he is remembered is reputedly appointing his horse to public office. Next came Claudius. He reigned from 41 to 54 A.D. If we turn to Acts chapter 11, looking at verses 27 through 30, we find the following. Now at this time some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. As we can see, Claudius was the emperor during the time of the great famine in Judea, when the church in Antioch sent relief by the hands of Paul and Barnabas to the elders of the churches in that region. If we move over to Acts 18 verses 1 and 2, we need to read of another act of Claudius that directly affected the early history of the church. Those verses say, After these things he left Athens and went to Corinth and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them. A Roman historian by the name of Sudonius mentions an expulsion of the Jews from Rome by Claudius. He says that it was due to continued disturbances and riots among the Jews in Rome Because of a statement he makes concerning one Christo, which most believe to have been a corruption of the word Christ, it has been thought by many that these riots in Rome may very well have been attacks by the unbelieving Jews upon the Jewish Christians, just like it had happened in Jerusalem, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Thessalonica, and Berea. It is important to understand that in the beginning of the church, the Romans did not discriminate between Jews and Jewish Christians. They simply viewed Christianity as a sect of Judaism. Claudius was followed by Nero who reigned from 54 to 68 AD. In Acts 25 we find Paul before Porcius Festus who had succeeded Felix as governor of Judea. Let's begin reading in verse 7 and continue on through verse 12. And after he had arrived, The Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him, which they could not prove, while Paul said in his own defense, I have committed no offense either against the law of the Jews or against the temple or against Caesar. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and stand trial before me on these charges? But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. I have done no wrong to the Jews as you also very well know. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything worthy of death, I do not refuse to die. But if none of those things is true of which these men accuse me, no one can have had me turned over to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then when Festus had conferred with his council, he answered, You have appealed to Caesar? To Caesar you shall go. The Caesar to whom Paul was appealing was Nero. Interestingly enough, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 22, Paul wrote, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Those Christians would have been servants in Nero's house. It was during the reign of Nero that Paul was executed in Rome. We don't read of the actual execution in scripture, but 2 Timothy certainly indicates that it was coming. Nero was a very interesting individual. He was actually a very good emperor prior to the death of his mentor during the early years of his reign. The latter years were the years he is notorious for. He was the first emperor to actively persecute Christians, although his persecution was limited to Rome. Nero was very quickly followed by Galba, Otho, and Vitalius. None of these three reigned for more than a few months and none of them are mentioned in the New Testament. Finally, Vespasian was named emperor and the political stability of the empire returned. He reigned from 69 to 79 AD. While he is not specifically named in the New Testament, He was very important indeed to new testament history at the very time he was named emperor he was in the process of laying siege to the city of jerusalem he returned to rome and left the task of completing the destruction of jerusalem to his son titus titus completed the job the next year in 70 a.d let's look now at matthew chapter 24 verses 15 through 22 for Jesus spoke of the coming destruction of Jerusalem. He said, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let him who is in the field not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are with child and to those who nurse babes in those days. But pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on a Sabbath, for then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall. And unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days shall be cut short. The siege of Jerusalem was led by Vespasian and it must have been something to behold. The Roman army, totally cut off the food supply to the city and removed any hope of Jerusalem receiving outside help. Josephus, the Jewish historian, tells us that starvation was rampant and every kind of disease that accompanies such a terrible time. It is reported to have been so bad that people actually ate their own children who had died. Jews murdered their fellow sufferers in order to plunder their houses in search of food. When the Romans did come in, they slaughtered the Jews in such numbers that Josephus wrote that blood ran as a mighty current through the streets. He reported that over a million and a half Jews were slaughtered. Did you note in verse 22 of Matthew 24 that Jesus said, and unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days shall be cut short. The point is that relatively speaking, the siege was short. And when Vespasian had to return to Rome for his appointment as emperor, the siege was actually suspended for a time. So while he is not mentioned by name, Vespasian played a tremendously important role in New Testament history. He was followed in the role of emperor by Titus, his son, in 79 AD, but Titus died in 81 AD. The final emperor of New Testament times was Domitian, who reigned from 81 to 96 A.D. It was during his reign that John wrote the book of Revelation. Domitian was the first emperor to institute a systematic, empire-wide persecution of the saints. As we've said before, Nero's persecution was limited to Rome itself. Now, recognizing that the book of Revelation was written in signs and symbols, let's see if domination is in there. I believe it he is in Revelation 13 verses 1 through 3 we find and he stood on the sand of the seashore and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea having ten horns and seven heads and on his horns were ten diadem and on his heads were blasphemous names and the beast which I saw was like a leopard and his feet were like those of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion and the dragon gave him his power and his throne in great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. In order to understand and appreciate what was being seen here by John in his vision, we need to remember a vision that Daniel had in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel saw four great beasts arise out of the sea. The first was like a lion with a man's mind. The second was like a bear. The third was like a leopard with four wings and four heads, but the fourth was not compared to any animal. It was stronger than the first three and was dreadful and terrifying and extremely strong. This vision of Daniel's paralleled the dream of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 2. In that dream in Daniel chapter 2, four kingdoms were represented. The first was Nebuchadnezzar's own Babylonian kingdom. It was to fall and be replaced by the Medo-Persian Empire. Then was to come the Macedonian Empire led by Alexander the Great. And the fourth and most powerful kingdom would be Rome. The beast in John's vision, I believe, is the Roman Empire, an active agent of Satan under his influence and exercising great power and authority through him as it waged war against God and righteousness. I believe that the statement in verse 3, And I saw one of its heads as it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed, and the whole world was amazed and followed after the beast. I believe that refers to the coming of Domitian and the reinstatement of the policy of persecution against the children of God. I believe that both Nero and Domitian are again seen in Revelation 17 with the Holy Spirit's explanation of the ber- ber- beast. Look at verses 8-11. through 11. The beast that you saw was and is not, and is about to come up out of the abyss and to go to destruction. And those who dwell on the earth will wonder, whose name has not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast, that he was and is not and will come. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. The seven mountains are the seven hills upon which the city of Rome was built. The woman is their city itself. And they are seven kings. Five have fallen. One is. The other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. And the beast which was and is not is himself also an eighth and is one of the seven and he goes to destruction. This, I believe, is Domitian, the reemergence of the policies of Nero only worse. He was the first emperor to persecute Christians systematically and empire-wide. I believe the book of Revelation was written to encourage and uplift those suffering Christians under Roman persecution and to ensure all Christians of all time that the Lord and righteousness will ultimately be victorious and exhort to faithfulness in all kinds of times. You know, my friends, I look back over this list of men and I marvel. These were the most powerful men on earth at the time. They reigned over the most powerful empire ever to have have existed to that point in history. Relatively speaking, in terms of absolute power, Each of those men was more powerful and exercised more control than any president of the United States ever has or ever will. The Roman Empire is gone, and they are gone, and for us they are best remembered as their lives related to an obscure carpenter turned preacher from the village of Nazareth of Galilee, Jesus the Christ. So the truth be told, it really doesn't matter who the emperor is. What matters is Jesus. Whoever becomes president of this country, it doesn't matter. The Most High rules in the kingdom of man. I hope you give consideration to these thoughts.